Germain Health, the center to help you achieve wellness in both your brain and body. We endeavor to encourage cross-communication between health professionals for your health and well-being. We'll bring you topics on neuropsychology, neurobehavior, neuromusculoskeletal, neurogastro, movement is well-being, metabolism and microbiome, and which are also some of the services that we provide. And today we'll be talking to you about the elbow and the wrist, continuing on from our shoulder series from a few podcasts ago. We'll talk to you about the most common injuries and issues that we see and our views on approaching them. I have Dr. Shermaine Wong with me today. Hello. What do you want to start with? Because some of our elbow and wrist issues yes. and not necessarily always shoulder and wrist issues. That's correct. Because um, some there are referral pain patterns from everywhere. So, for example, we have we can have a referral pain pattern into the elbow from the infraspinatus. To my favourite needling spots. Mm-hmm. Three of my favourite needling spots. That's right. Um, the... That dorsi that also dorsi does a lot of, of it, yeah. yeah. And the subscapularis yeah. also does a lot of that. That, that dorsi, especially around that nerve bundle, right up into it. We just wanted to make sure you guys know that not always the pain that you feel from the, in the elbow or the wrist may actually be coming from those two areas specifically. So we thought we'd start with that one. That's our main thing. But those are muscular referral yeah. pain and there are neuro logical referral pain, neurological, not so much from the brain, but from the nerves itself. Yep. Well, you can call it a brain because all the, all the yeah, nerves really the pretty much arise yeah. from the brain. And things like C3, C4, C5, C6, C5, C7, yeah. C8. C8, yep. Yeah. All, all of the ones all of them, that supply. All of them all, supply. All the ones that, oh, they all supply down into your hand. All, the, all of those supply down into your hand. Yes. In order to identify which one is actually having an effect on your elbow, we have got to do quite a little bit of investigation. Mm -hmm. It's quite easy to just dismiss it as a tennis elbow. Yeah, pretty much. Or a a golfer's elbow. Or or, um, carpal tunnel syndrome. syndrome. Yeah, that's another big one. So these three things, uh, lateral epicondylitis, medial epicondylitis, um, carpal tunnel syndrome. There are muscles and nerves that can pretty much mimic when they're when they're pinched. Yeah. Just the same sort of issues. And, there could be nerve entrapment. Yeah. Nerve entrapment and neurological re- referral we will talk about. In another series coming out. Series coming out. Point. But however, when we talk about lateral elbow pain, you don't have to play tennis to no. get tennis elbow. You don't have to play golf to get golfer's golf elbow. elbow. Tennis elbow is on the outside of the elbow. And the golfer's elbow is the medial, which is the inside of the elbow. And I fix the flexor group. What sometimes can happen is that it's not, it's neither of those really. No. And sometimes it's, uh, it's the supinator or the pronator that is creating that kind of aberrant and repetitive strain injury and a lot of the time the action as Shireen said not doesn't have to be tennis or golf it's more or less an an overuse of where you're continuously doing the same thing so we see a lot of tradies with issues Mm -hmm. that pretty much mimic tennis elbow or they'll come in saying tennis elbow Mm -hmm. for the sole reason of they're pretty much twisting in their hand or their elbow in and out Mm. it's it's the most common action that Mm -hmm. will do pretty much tighten those muscles and provoke those kinds of issues as opposed to just playing tennis or playing golf. They can happen at the gym too gym when gym. they do a lot of dumbbell training. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening a lot in kettlebell training. It does happen a lot in dumbbell work. It does happen 
sometimes in weightlifting as well. Mm-hmm. Powerlifting maybe in a bench mm-hmm. if the biceps tendon gets gets a bit too tight. Yep. Or, or triceps. Or when they're recruiting as well. Mm-hmm. Every other muscle. Sometimes the other one that can also mimic it is the adductor pollicis with um, an opponent's. Mm-hmm. A couple of the ones. Sorry, I should say that I'm, I'm looking at Charmaine and, and saying I should probably say these are the muscles in the hand. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much between the, the web, your web, web, web of your first and second fingers, so yep. your thumb and your index. So you're saying that it refers upwards. It can. It, yep. So well, some, so well the flexor policies longest can have a referral pain up oh, into, yeah, the, in, into the elbow, elbow yes, mm-hmm. into uh-huh. the lateral elbow, yes. That uh-huh. can be a common thing. And, and, they're, and they're usually presenting, the issue usually is that they've lost grip strength mm-hmm. because they have been grouping and the same sort of thing happens. It yes. comes up with carpal tunnel syndrome as well, so it mimics carpal versus yeah. anything else. So carpal tunnel syndrome is quite interesting topic. And it's interesting because for some people, the way the carpal tunnel syndrome comes up, it's when they uh, they have put on a bit of weight mm-hmm. or they have something similar to bloating. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily lymphedema, but I suspect that with lymphedema, you're going to feel pain all, which is true. With this kind of edema and if the retinaculum becomes too tight, retinaculum is like a bracelet around yep. your wrists. It's like a tight fascia bracelet pressure around your wrist and if it gets too tight it can well it's not occlude but it can compress Compress. on the nerves uh, on the nerves or that the nerves get flossed a little bit too often so one of these two things will be happening so sometimes what a person and it commonly happens to women who has just given birth or women who are pregnant apart from typists apart from tradies apart from butchers apart from us actually Yes, many therapists, musculoskeletal work. So a lot of people make an appointment to go to surgery thinking that, oh, maybe yeah. they could have a decompression or yeah. something like that. But a lot of times, majority of times, at least I think a good 50, 60% of the time, it's not quite it's necessary. Not. And I have the perfect example of that with myself. Exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Same sort of presentation, carpal tunnel syndrome. Mm-hmm. My GP decided, all right, well, again, she, she suggested nerve conduction to check whether the median nerve is affected, normal testing that they do for carpal tunnel syndrome before they decide to do surgery. Mm-hmm. But she also wanted a CT of the neck, suspecting that it might be a disc refer- pinching the nerve, yep. referring down, as yep. we just talked about as well. So referred pain. Results came back. CT is fine, but the nerve conduction study came back that both pretty much both of my hands mm-hmm. would require surgery. The neurologist pretty much just said, okay, both of them need surgery. Your left worse than your right, but mm-hmm. both of them need surgery. Yes. My GP had a look at the results and said, your results came back the wrong way around. We're not doing surgery. This isn't, it's not coming from the wrist. It's, it's not carpal tunnel. It's not a, it's not an official carpal tunnel syndrome. It's pinching the nerve somewhere, but it's high. It's got to be somewhere higher up. It's, it means, Jackie, it means somewhere your nerves are being pinched between your neck well, at least, and, at least your, and, and your, and your wrist. So that's a good thing. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. Yeah. And we said, and, and we laughed because it was exactly what we were suspecting. You couldn't, it was not possible that the nerve wouldn't come back pinched in yes. on, the, on the study, but it wasn't where it's caught. Surgery would probably not help it. Mm. It'd be a temporary, in this case, it'd be a temporary fix because it was catching somewhere else. That's correct. So it makes no difference. 
And you see that in a lot of people that have actually had carpal tunnel surgery, Mm -hmm. that they still get the symptoms because the nerve gets picked. Yes. You know, end up pinch somewhere else, so they're still getting it. That's true. And then, and then they go, well, I thought this was carpal tunnel. I had the surgery, and I'm still having problems. That's true. So a lot of people don't realize that. That's a really good story. I thought. Well, I was thinking about as well as you were saying that, which reminds me of some cases. Some people, they because of the way they are working out or the way they are working out and using their bodies throughout the day, they perpetually locking their thorax down. And they are hyperextending the elbows. This is something really simple, mm-hmm. but this happens a lot. There is a lot of stress into the elbow, elbow, joint, elbow yeah. joints. And then they say to then they tell, tell me, oh, they ask me, you know, why am I having carpal tunnel? Or they don't even mention it because they think that it's normal yeah. now, which may not be the case. So we have got two cases now. One of one is yours. It's it's they went for CT. You went for CT and imaging, and you. And you have got referring pain, but you know that it's yeah. not from there. Number two, it's um, people hyperex- in hyperextension of their elbows and the tightness of the chest. Um, that is an alteration mm-hmm. in itself. Then we've got RSI and we've Repetitive got... Re- stress injury. Yes, that's right. And we have got the muscular referral yes, we do. symptoms. And then we have got the nerve impingement mm-hmm. symptoms, which we are going to talk about in the next episode, as mentioned earlier. And... Well, there's this one one case. Uh, it's quite a recent case. It's your, we are talking about cases, and this person went like, "Well, I've always got a little bit of uh, tingling and numbness, but my my grip strength is great. My ROM, meaning my range of motion, is great. But I thought that because it's so numb and th- throbbing, I thought I was going to have a heart attack, but I don't have a heart attack. The GPA said that you know the chest is fine and things like that. It's quite scary, but it's normal but it's scary at the same time because it's like your, well, your alarm bells always yeah. so our alarm bells will always ring if That's we right. see if we hear someone saying robbing and it's coming around the chest or yeah. anything of the sort we'll yeah. we'll, and we'll especially investigate yeah, it right somebody else hasn't investigated it yet that's right yeah. so he went he went for he went for neck ct or some kind of imaging yep. nothing in the some kind of some low level degeneration yep. because he is he's at the age yep. where there's no low level degeneration and um, they wanted to send him from, for conduction tests and things. So I asked him again, well, do you have, do you have weakness? So, uh, he's like, no. Can you, like, can you demonstrate it? Can you squeeze my fingers? So he's like, he always squeezed it and bro- broke it off. Can you feel your hands? He's like, no. I didn't do reflex on him, but we tested muscle testing. There was no loss of power. Usually it's not neurological. Mm-hmm. So I thought that, oh, this could be, uh, this could be, a little bit more than just neurological or muscular. So I took his pulse and I decided to say, hey, let's go for a chest x-ray. Mm-hmm. And um, we found a little bit of a thoracic aorta issue. And we had to send the person for further assistance with their GP. What also happened is that in the same area of the thoracic aorta's interference, he also has on the flip, on the directly opposite side, it's a degeneration of the spine, mm-hmm. quite a severe degeneration of spine, and also quite a severe degeneration of, I mean, degeneration of the ligaments that is right in front of the yeah. spine. That is called the anterior longitudinal ligament. ALL. Yeah, ALL. You can Google that. And well, a condition that Shemaine's talking about is DISH. You can also Google that one if you like. It is literally spelled like DISH. So that is also 
a, a lumbar sounding thing for us. And it goes into the hands and it goes to the wrists and it goes into the palms. So when that happens, we go like, well, when a person comes in with it, we can't quite tell mm-hmm. what is happening until we kind of we investigate it further. Sometimes we would send people for further imaging in the elbow and it comes back with all sorts of things like tear and tear mostly. That's when it's really, really sharp. Mm-hmm. And when it's really, really sharp, Previously, a lot of people like cortisone. These days, I prefer not to no. have cortisone. Cortisone um, only masks the pain pretty much. Yes. It, it takes down the inflammation. So it because it's an anti That's exactly it. Yeah. It doesn't exactly heal anything. Um, and the person just goes, sweet, I'm perfectly fine. Yeah. I can do everything I want. And then once it wears off, mm. the damage is three times as bad. Because it weakens the myofibrils. That's one thing. And also... And your bones. Cortisone. If you have constant injections of cortisone, your bones are going to be weak. That's why they. That's why pretty much they'll. They don't. They, well, you should not be having cortisone more than like once or twice a year. A few times more, maybe, but that's about it. Most of the time, a GP will tell you if, if it's a good GP, they'll tell you not. You can't run on cortisone for that very reason. That's that, right. Yes, it leads to osteoporosis. I know it's a precursor to myofibril degeneration. So leading into the wrist, we have had a lot of this wrist issues mm-hmm. lately. Again, some referred. So that go back to that one. Just always remember that not all issues in the wrist are wrist. There are referred. Just remember. Good. 80% of them are referred. That, yeah. So sometimes we have got to be quite careful and wait even mm-hmm. after an injury happens. Let's say, for example, if, of course, if you're talking about trauma and, and a full fracture and crash and you, you, you have got to examine it straight away. But, but when you're talking also about... Also known as a push injury often. When we are talking about ligament ligamentous issues, then it's a bit of a catch-22 situation. Yes. Even if it's sent for imaging any earlier than three or four weeks maybe, we probably still can't yeah, see. Sure you can't really see very much. And the, and, the, and the same happens sometimes with a fracture. If it's a small fracture, or if it's a recent fracture, even going for imaging, if you try to go, if you pretty much fall on your hand and think you've broken it, they'll pretty much tell you to wait about two weeks before having an X-ray done mm. for the sole reason of often does not show up. Smaller fractures often do not show up until at least a good two weeks. Yeah, talking about hairline fractures. I'm talking even scaphoid fractures, decent scaphoid fractures will not sometimes show up on mm-hmm. an X-ray yeah. until about two weeks. And then I sub- sometimes they are too, they, they'll tell you to wait about two weeks before they'll, they'll say, okay, let's, let's X-ray this. Once again, personal experience as well. How many things have you broken? I didn't break anything. It's not, it wasn't broken, but it was the I fact mean, that the, the issue kept going yes. on, that the pain was just getting worse, that yes. it, it went, all right, maybe I did fall on it and I don't remember. Or I probably did fall on it at some point in time, mm. but I'm not putting two things together. But this thing's not going away. Let's X-ray. However, for for our people, uh, our type of job type, we are more susceptible to ligamentous sprain and strain yeah. as compared to and muscle tension uh, as compared to fractures. Mm. So it's a bit different. Uh, I say, kind of. We have had a number of retinacular issues mm-hmm. lately. We had a number of degeneration in yeah. the wrists lately the carpal bones are yeah in the couple bones um sarah so our so physiotherapist so they're, so they're, has they're it the, they're the little bones of the yes. wrist where you've got if you look at your hand when you've got it pretty much not not on the outside but when you turn it and you can see your palm those little lines where you've got just before your hand starts that's pretty much where your carpal bones are 
just so that you know. So our colleague has it. We, she does. Yes. Poor thing. Poor thing. Um, we are not. We are, <laughs> She's got both retinaculum and degeneration of one of the bones. And I think so. As far as I remember. And she's not the only one who has a, mm-hmm. has been coming in with inflammation in, in the oh, entire wrist itself. So we will get Sarah to share that with you. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram, like our posts, and listen to the podcast. Excellent. There we go. That's how you show if you like us. And let us know if you're listening to us too. So until the next time. Take care. Goodbye. See you.